Hey guys, welcome to Designers Getting Coffee. We are so psyched to be back after our summer break. Today's episode is brought to you by the Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit. If you've been thinking about starting a business or have just launched, let me help you kickstart things to make major progress in a short time. The Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit is six months of intensive one-on-one coaching, plus all the business documents you're going to need to crush it behind the scenes and launch your design business like a boss. Book a complimentary call with me to learn more at lesliemeyer.com coaching. And now this is episode 14, how to stand out from other interior designers. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. For the last year, we've been chatting weekly to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our interior design businesses and decided to hit the record button. We're interior designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. Hello, Kate Bendewald. Welcome back. Hi, Leslie. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I have been looking forward to getting back to this. Summer breaks are great. Slowing down is awesome, but I I love doing this with you. I know. I totally missed you, and I miss doing this. I know. But we're back. It's the fall. Kids are in school. Life has kind of taken on its normal rhythm again, and we've got a great season ahead of us. First of all, you guys, this is our first episode where Leslie's not in the same town with me anymore. I'm sad. She's moved across the country. She's in the Atlanta area in Macon. Mm -hmm. Um, How was the move? You know, we accidentally adopted a kitten the week before we moved, and then <laughs> we, we did had... that with a dog because it's like so... we got him like two days before. We yeah, mm-hmm. this little tiny, probably eight-week-old stray kitten just showed up on our lawn, and my husband fell in love. Long story short, we drove that kitten and two children all across the United States for a week-long road trip, and we are here in the Atlanta area. We're getting settled and. Life is good. It's been a hard summer, but I'm really grateful for slowing down, for kind of being forced to take a break because it's not something that really comes naturally to me. I'm kind of a go, 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 get her done type person. Yeah, same here. But a quiet summer's been good. At the same time, I am so grateful for school and daycare and sort of finding (laughs) that space again for me to do things that really light me on fire, like talking design with my friend Kate. Yeah. How's your summer? It was good. It went by really fast, though. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been fun. It has been slow by design. That was the intent. Um, but have mercy. I woke up two weeks, three, oh, it's probably been like three weeks ago, and it was Monday, and I had four clients book consultation calls with me, like the first phone call to do projects. And I ended up booking four consults that same week with them and they've all said yes. And I went from being like chill, loving summer, swimming at noon (laughs) to like, oh, I'm working again in a big time way. So um, it went from zero to 10 really fast. There was no ramping up. The same thing happened last fall. So um, this this fall, I'm trying to do a better job of really um, 
being clear with clients on when I can start with them and uh, uh, kind of phasing them in so that I don't get overwhelmed uh, by all the work. So it's a good problem to have, but it literally went from like zero to 10 and and I'm in the thick of it right now. So yeah, (laughs) boundaries are a wonderful thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited about this this season. So you guys last, we're, we're not calling them seasons because we recognized that we generally are going to need some time off in between uh, the school year. And it just makes sense for us to take little breaks, for us to regroup. And we recognized that a lot of our episodes from last season were really focused on the nuts and bolts of getting your business off the ground. Um, and we wanted to bring a natural flow to uh, the podcast and think about, okay, now that you've got um, your business up and running, how can you really help it grow? And so the episodes that we have planned for this season are going to focus on growth. And um, today we're starting out with, you know, really a, a core branding question. How do you stand out from other interior designers? Um, and there's a lot of thought that I think uh, needs to be put on this in this for your business at the front end, because it's going to show up over and over again in everything that you do. In when you meet people and you're talking to people in person, um, the web copy on your website and your social media, your emails, all of that. And so if you can really get this nailed down beautifully at the front end, don't get me wrong, you're going to revise it over time. Um, uh, but if you can get it really clear, you can have a, a super strong brand and there's no questioning what it is that you're known for and what people are hiring you for. So I'm really excited. This branding is something that's, uh, I'm very passionate about. And so I'm excited to jump into this. Me too. I think you and I both have very strong points of view when it comes to branding and aesthetic and not only just the, the visual parts of branding, the logos, the typefaces, the fonts that is, yeah, that is typefaces. Oh girl, I got to get back into this strong. And I'm thinking more like, you know, colors, design, the, the graphics, all that visual stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know, luckily over the last few years, I think branding has come in such a forefront with creatives that people people sort of understand now. It's not just, I have a logo and a business card. I have a brand. But really, a brand is what the public perceives you as. I mean, it's everything you put out into the world. It's the obvious stuff like your website, your printed material. It's also the less obvious stuff like your personal style and appearance, the energy you bring to your writing and to any video content you might create, your mannerisms, your tone, the kind of words you use, your brand is you and how that lovely package wraps up and shows itself to the world. So it's more complex than just, you know, I use this font and this logo and this color and ta-da, I have a brand. It's how it all, <laughs> I wish it were that easy. And a lot of people get stuck there, not realizing that they as a person, especially if you're a designer and you are the face of your brand, it's easy to forget that that is as much a part of how people perceive you in your company as your website or your logo or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. And to to be clear, those things are important. And um, I don't think there's any questioning what you said there. Having a strong visual brand is super important. But I think what we're going to be focusing on today is once you have that established, how do you, how does it show up? Where does it show up? And recognizing that it is 
it isn't just the visuals, but it's also the language that we use. I think today we're really going to focus on the language piece of, of your brand and how that comes across. So, uh, I mean, Leslie, you have such a strong brand. I love it. Um, there's no questioning, you know, what Leslie is about. She's, she's got funk. She's got energy. She's got, <laughs> she's got style. Um, bust out of boring is, is it best out of boring or best out of beige? I know this. Best out of boring. I talk best about beige all the time, but yeah, best out of that's boring. Right. That's because of your love of alliteration, I think. But it is best out of boring. And um, it's that is so clear in not just your website, but your social media, your Facebook lives, all of that. It really comes through. And I think if you want examples of how to do this and what, but you have to figure out what that is for you. Cause it's not going to be the same. We're talking yeah. about standing apart and you can be inspired by other designers, but really you need to hone in on what is it that makes you different, but you can look to um, somebody like Leslie and there's lots of designers out there and really identify, okay, where, what does their language sound like? What words are they using to really support that visual brand? Totally. And the bust out of boring thing was kind of born out of necessity in Waco. Like I already, I always had my business positioned as being a little offbeat, a little different. I feel like the word eclectic though is so overused. Like I design in an eclectic style. I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else. So that, you know, that in and of itself is nothing revolutionary. And, you know, now I'm in the Atlanta area, things, the landscape looks a little bit different. It is a little bit edgier. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity here in Waco. I really had to work hard to set myself apart in that sea of builders, beige, and shiplap. Or maybe I didn't have to work hard. It was obvious and I just had to embrace it. But I could not pretend Or the to corner be... fireplace. Mm. <laughs> I could not pretend to be loving the Texas limestone and fake shiplap that every other designer, except for Madam Kate Bendewald, was doing in Waco. I mean, if you've seen me on our social channels or on my website, like, Guys, I have a mostly shaved head. I have two facial piercings. I have tattoos. I don't think I look like a crazy scary person, but I also know that I don't look like the conservative, you know, Central Texas designer. Like, I don't even know what you would expect, but I don't think you would expect me. So that was something that could have been a disadvantage. It could have felt like there was no way I was going to succeed because I didn't fit in. I think the exact opposite was true and not fitting in is actually a really good thing as a designer. I think it's important that that is part of your brand, that you know who you are and what you're about and what you're not about. And I think we've touched on this topic before. I'm really passionate about it, figuring out what does set you apart. And for me, Bust Out of Boring evolved from a session with my former coach and it was just this, well, first of all, it was an alliteration, which Kate hates and I love, I love alliteration. Oh, I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> she does not share the same passion as I do for <laughs> alliterations. That's fair. But it just sort of came out as like, that's exactly it. I am not just about designing a pretty room. I mean, I am, of course, we all are, we all do great designs. I mean, ultimately, Bust Out of Boring is a great, strong tagline. It's going to attract the kind of people that are like, hell yes, I want to bust out of boring. And other people are going to feel like, oh, she's crazy. I want nothing to do with her. Ultimately, and that's perfectly fine because those aren't, your, those aren't your people. I really feel like a strong brand. It also has a great acronym. It is Bust Out of Boring. 
boob, which is also kind of on brand with me being a little bit edgier. You know, I don't show my boobs, but don't, I do think it's really but funny. Say, but you can say, don't be a boob. Don't be a boob. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ultimately my mission is to empower people to embrace what they love and feel confident to bust out of boring. That is what I'm all about with design. And it's kind of wrapped up in this package of, hey, I'm I'm not your everyday Waco, Texas designer. I have this point of view. And I think that is that has created a very strong brand for me. Good brands are not vanilla. Good brands either attract or repel. I think someone's going to look at a strong brand and they're going to know right away if that is a brand that they care about and are interested in or if they're like, not for me, let's move on. So I'm fine if people look at me and think, I don't want to, I don't think she's cool. Okay, fine. I have found so many people, especially in Texas, which is a little bit, you know, smaller, more conservative, more shiplappy. I've had people reach out to me that are just like, thank God you're here. Like we, we have been drowning in the sea of beige and I, I cannot wait to work with you. And I'm sure most of the people are like, but I just want shiplap and white and farmhouse and I'll let her do her crazy thing. And that is totally fine too. Wanting to know from you, Kate, you know, what, what is your take on branding? How have you built your brand? What is the thing that is setting you apart from other designers? Cause you're still in that sea of beige. I've escaped, <laughs> but you are still living it and loving it in Waco. So tell me about where you're at with sort of starting your brand and also how it's evolved and where you're at today. Sure. Well, so I understand, I realize that that is a common thing around here, but there's still a lot of people who have a really strong sense of style and, and it's here. I think that I'm really, um, embracing the, the Southern style, which is very classic and it's been around forever. Um, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm from the South, so I, it's in my vernacular, <laughs> uh, but livable luxury is really what I'm about. And see, I do like alliteration. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, and I think, I think what I want to distinguish here for our listeners is that what sets you apart doesn't, in fact, I would argue perhaps shouldn't be about a particular style. Um, and here's why I, and here's what I think it should be about. I think it should be about solving a problem. So for Leslie, she's solving the problem of people wanting to have fun, quirky, offbeat interiors, but perhaps feeling a little bit, um, scared or nervous that it's going to look weird or like they're not going to get it right and they want her help and a lot of times it could be clients too that are like I keep buying beige things I keep buying safe stuff but that's not really what I want and I I don't want any more beige and I can't I keep doing that on my own so that's their problem she's solving the problem of helping people stretch themselves a little bit in a design standpoint so while her you look at her interiors and, you know, everyone has a little bit of a different flavor to it, but you could see that Leslie Myrick um, quirkiness that is what people come to her for. And it's lovely. You know, for me, I think that my interiors all look very different. They're very um, informed by the client. But for me, there's there's color. There's a lot of color in my interiors, which um, is something that I love. But I people don't necessarily come to me for color, um, they come to me, I believe, because I'm telling them that I can help them achieve livable luxury. And so for me, what that means is I, I want to help them 
curate a beautiful home that they can live in. It's not fussy. It's not furniture that you have to baby and protect from everyday life, but people want nice things. Um, and so I'm helping them source items throughout their home, furniture or finishes, kitchens, for example, that are beautiful and timeless and luxurious, but that is not precious, if you know what I mean. So that's the problem that I'm hoping to solve. This is what I sell to my clients. So there's this concept in advertising and marketing called the unique selling proposition. It's like marketing 101. But if you've never heard of it, it's, um, it, it's for short, it's called USP. Unique selling proposition is USP. So if you hear me say USP from here on out, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so Ro- Rosser Reeves was a famous American marketing executive, and he's credited with having first introduced this concept in 1961. And to him, it's the one reason a client needs to hire you and why your design or your service is superior. Um, you know, I think I'm known for a lot of things. I'm, uh, I'm known for color. I'm known for mixing, uh, contemporary art with antiques, but that's not my USP. My USP is livable luxury. Uh, uh, Leslie's is not having eclectic exteriors. It's helping build people's confidence, right? So what Mm. is your USP? What is your unique selling proposition? There's, you know, every major brand has one. So here are just a couple of examples that you all should be familiar with. Amazon, what are they known for? Two-day shipping. Pharaoh and Ball, they're known for this luxurious, rich, edited color palette. Um, Wayfair is known for a zillion things home. So if you can't get it there, you really can't get it anywhere. Um, Framebridge, they're known for custom affordable framing. So um, what I would like to encourage you to do is if you haven't really sit down and think about how are you different and how are you unique, it can be through your aesthetics and your style and what you bring to the table. There are a lot of designers out there that have, that, that they're really known for a particular look. Think about Kelly Wurstler. I mean, she's really known for the 70s, 80s glam um Jonathan Adler, he's known for this sort of mid-century, really colorful pop, um, pop art. Um, I mean, Amber Interiors, who can do no wrong. She has gorgeous, beautiful California bohemian look. So those are people who are really known for a strong style, particular style and aesthetic. Um, but it can also be your service. Um, is, is there something you do in your service that is outstanding um, that should be the thing that you want to s- become your unique selling proposition or your USP? Yeah. And with the USP, I think it's easy to hear about that and hear those examples and think, well, I don't have that. I, you know, my style is similar to X, Y, or Z or, you know, just not feeling like you have it, I promise you, you have something. Kelly Worsler did not invent 70s, 80s glam. Jonathan Adler did not invent mid-century. There's always But nobody does it like they do it, right? Bingo. And that's where it's important for you is you as the listener, you as the awesome designer we are now friends with, is to know that yes, there is something and what is it? And it can be the smallest, most subtle thing, that little shift, that little click, that just sets you apart from the next guy. You know, I love amber interiors, but I also feel like a lot of people are doing that look. 
she has branded herself and set herself apart in that space, even though other people have similar things that maybe have not embraced their unique spin on it, their particular point of view. So this is something that I think it can be really great to get with a trusted friend, someone who is your cheerleader, who wants to see you succeed in business, and ask for their feedback about your brand. You know, if they're looking at it with fresh eyes, what do they see that you do that is different from other people? What do they see in you that sets you apart? And if your business model has just been, well, I see these successful people and I'm doing what they do because I know it's popular, it's time to step back and rethink that and find a way that you can differentiate yourself from the market. Otherwise, the only thing you have to compete on is price. And girlfriend, nobody wants to compete on price as a designer. You are going to lose, period. (laughs) Full stop. I think, right, exactly. I'm glad you pointed that out too. I, I, I think the key here is that this is about you. You can, if you love eclectic bohemian California look, by all means, do that. I love it. I think it's gorgeous. Um, right. I don't, I don't live in California. So it's, you know, there's elements of that that I can bring in, but the, it really comes down to you. This is yeah. about you. If you're running your own business, you are more than likely your own brand, unless you are, you know, I mean, even if, even Joanna Gaines has a massive group of people working for her, but it's still about Jojo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, so it's, <laughs> it's, uh, this, nobody's going to do it the way that you do it. And I think for some people, this can feel a little um, arrogant, this process of talking about themselves in this way. Um, but I promise you, if you, if that's something that you're feeling, if you can think about it more from the standpoint of what problem am I solving? I'm here to help people and I have an obligation to share what it is that that I can do that can help somebody. Yeah. And let me just say the problem is not they have a room that needs to be redecorated. I know that seems like that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's not the problem you're solving. It's it's always deeper than that. It's always more of an emotional need. It's not just they want a pretty new sofa. So right. this is not it's, always easy this to is, figure out your USP. Well, precisely. And so here, here are a couple of ways that I would begin to sort this out. Um, I would start to sort it out by identifying what are the pain points that your clients have. I mean, again, guys, this is marketing 101, but it was new for me at one point. And so I think this is new for a lot of listeners. Um, sorting out their pain points. So like Leslie said, it's not they need a new sofa. Why do they need a new sofa? You always have to keep asking yourself why. Why, why, why? Why, why do they Be need like a sofa? Be like a four-year-old. They <laughs> that need- annoying kid. <laughs> They need a new sofa because they like to host book clubs or or have girlfriends over or whatever, and there's no not enough room for people to sit. Or they like to snuggle on the couch with their family and have movie night, and it's just too small. Or um, it's broken and dated, and it's embarrassing, so they don't have anybody over at all. Um, so those are they're missing out on family time. That's an emotional response. Yes. They are embarrassed of their home. So if they tell you they need a sofa, that you don't stop there. You find out why. So figure out what are the pain points that are, people are having. If it's a kitchen, is it dark? Is it crowded? Is it Does it lack storage? Um, 
does it make them feel frustrated? Like, how does it make them feel? You really want to get to the core of how people feel. And there's a couple yeah. of places where you can go to find, if, if you feel like you're struggling to identify these, um, chances are you have a place on your website where you ask people to fill out a quick form to tell you about their project. Um, what are they saying there? Um, this could be um, a phone conversation that you have. Look back at your notes. Um go on Howl's and read the comments and questions that people are asking and look at their language. So this can be a way where you start building your pain points that clients are, are experiencing. And this is the birthplace of coming up with your unique selling proposition, your USP. Bingo. And nobody is going to come at you and say, my pain point is this. It is really up to you to, <laughs> to read between the lines. Like Kate was saying, you know, look at your Instagram and Facebook comments. Look at the questions people are asking you. You'll start to see themes. Look what people are commenting. Listen to what people are complaining about. My husband has this ugly sofa and he won't let me get rid of it. What do I do? Those are pain points. They are things that make people crazy. And you can be the knight in shining armor that is able to fix it and totally blow their faces off with how awesome their homes can be. And if you can tap into that emotional side of it, that is what's going to set your brand apart and resonate with your ideal clients. That's excellent. And if I think this is a good chance to introduce this book that I really um, used a lot early on in my business. Um, it's called Web Copy That Sells um, by Maria Veloso. It's in the show notes. Um, but in chapter... Oh, she's got post-its sticking out of that book. That is legit. Oh, and highlight. I, I, I use my books. It's in chapter three. It's called Crafting My Copy. Um, there's, there's this – I'm just going to read it because I don't want to botch it. But um, it says, Stephen Reese was a professor of psychology at Ohio State University. And he did these studies to document uh, the theory of human motivation. So what, what motivates people to, to make decisions or to buy or to do something? Um, and – they dis discovered 16 core desires, uh, and I'm going to read those to you. So it's power, independence, curiosity, acceptance, order, saving, honor, idealism, social contract, family, status, vigilance, romance, eating, physical exercise, tranquility. Um, and then there's other studies that add to this, and I'll just read those quickly. Security, integrity, consistency, ownership, exclusivity, safety, admiration, and acknowledgement. So obviously not all of those are going to apply to design, but there's a handful in there, like just order. Who doesn't want order in their home? <laughs> there's um, a tranquility is in there. Um, ownership, a sense of having a place that, you know, reflects who you are and your family story. Those are things that you can do to help your, your clients. So um, that's a great book. I'd, re I'd really recommend using that. It also gives you some exercise on coming up with your USP. Um, but I, I want to jump to next. So after you have come up with your um, pain points, um, the next two things that you really want to figure out are your um, uh, your benefits. So what do you do specifically to help your, your clients? Um, so that could be Leslie jump in here. Cause there's a lot of them, you know, there's helping them come up with a color palette. <laughs> yeah. One thing that comes to mind for me is a lot of my clients tend to have younger kids, like elementary school age kids. 
And for me, a lot of my pain point solving is I'm going to find you great kid-friendly furniture that's durable, cleanable, and hides all their crap. You can still have a grown-up living room and have it be functional. And that's kind of like your livable luxury idea. But I would word mine differently than livable luxury. It's more about addressing those kind of pain points. And the results they're going to get is a living room that is just as at home hosting your, you know, girl's wine night as it is having a play date for your five-year-old. Yeah, exactly. I And I, I misspoke when I said benefits. I actually meant to say features. So features and benefits are the other, the next cornerstone of this idea of, of really setting yourself apart. So a feature is something that you offer. So you offer full service design or you offer e-design or you offer color consultations. Um, that is offering the thing, but it doesn't really answer their pain point. And that's right. what the benefit does. So it's like, um, there's a kind of a, a formula you can use for this. So it's like, I help you blank so that you can blank. So I help you come up with a color palette so that you can have Paint your home with confidence. Paint your home with confidence. Really, you're helping people build confidence, you know, and I'm totally coming off of this, uh, coming up with this off the cuff. If I pulled mine up from a long time ago, it'd probably be better, but um, you get the idea is you're not selling features. You're selling the benefit. You're selling the solution to the pain point. Um, Yeah, nobody wants to buy a full-service design package. They want to buy a new living room that they can impress their in-laws with for the holidays. You know, you don't package it as that. You are selling full-service design, but there's ways to present it to clients that are in line with your brand and your mission that will really speak to the people you want to be working with. Totally. So those are are the first things that you can do to start that will help you, I think, craft your USP. Yeah. And then once you have that USP, let's talk a little bit about this idea of like an elevator pitch or a one sentence. This is what I'm about. And this is something that you can share with people literally in an elevator or just when someone meets you for the first time. Because I think it's really important to know what your USP is and communicate that right away. If you meet somebody and they say, what do you do? I'm an interior designer. I'm like, well, first of all, boring. Lots of people are. Second of all, you don't know what their vision of an interior designer is. They could have a positive association. They could have a negative. They don't know anything about your style, your aesthetic, your price point, your clients. And so it's really important that you have your USP as like a quick and dirty. You can share this in 30 seconds with people. And it goes back to that idea of attracting and repelling where you can let people know what you do and why you do it really quickly and know if they're going to be a good fit or not. So, Kate, you could have mentioned the short and sweet idea earlier, and I really liked that in terms of like a one-line, here I I am, here's what I do. Um, You and I both worked with Nancy Ganzikoffer as a coach before, and she has something called Your Business in Words, and I found that to be really, really valuable in helping define my brand and set it apart. So basically, it's four sentences, The first one is your job title and three personality traits that describe you in the working environment or just you personally. And I'll give you my example once I'm done. Sentence number two talks about who is your ideal client and what problem do you solve? So what is your USP and make that sound compelling. Sentence three is how do you do it slash what do you do? 
you know, and saying that with enthusiasm in a way that's going to get people excited. And then you can sort of modify this and add a fourth sentence if needed. But essentially, you're saying who you are, who you want to work for, the problem you solve, and how you solve their problem. So mine has evolved a little bit. And I will say this, as I'm going to read it, is how I have it written. You have to modify it a little bit when you're actually talking to somebody or else you just sound like a weird robot who's regurgitating something. But Here's what – before you say this, I want to okay. just remind people this is really important to practice this and get comfortable saying it because yes. a lot of times you can meet somebody for the first time and they'll say, so what do you do? And you just say, I'm an interior designer. Um, I don't – you've probably had an experience with this, but a lot of people that – they just – they stop right there. They're like – Yes. They're, oh, totally. They either they – either, like – Gosh, if I was talking to somebody like my father-in-law who still – and I don't appreciate – well, he say, he says, I still don't understand why people pay you to do what you do, which is Ooh. which is kind of a diss, but he just doesn't get it, and it's fine. Right. But, um, you know, there's there are people that don't understand what we do, and so that's why what she's about to read is important. And this is hers, obviously, but you'll come up with yours. And if you just stop it, I'm an interior designer – there's a lot of people that either don't understand it, they're intimidated by it, they don't know what to ask. And I sometimes get this way when I meet people who do something that I know nothing about. Um, and so if you can give them just a little bit more information, then it opens up the conversation and gives them something to ask questions about or something to chew on and helps them kind of understand what you do a little bit better. So thanks for letting me inter interrupt you, but I'll let you finish because I thought that yeah, was important to plug you in. You make a fantastic point because you, it's exactly what I was saying earlier is that you say, I'm an interior designer. People are always going to have a preconceived notion. Some people might understand the work and the passion you put into it. Other people might think you just shop all day. Other people don't think it's a real job. And right. so being able to explain things in a different way like I have even done it before. I've, you know, if I just have like a one sentence introduction, sometimes it's, "Hey, I'm Leslie Myrick. I'm an interior designer, and I help people bust out of boring homes." Or if, you know, it's someone that I think they're already going to get glazed over by interior designer. Someone asks, "What do you do?" I say, "I help people bust out of boring homes." That's a heck of a lot more engaging than I'm a residential interior designer. Like, Bleh. so here is my <laughs> here is my long elevator pitch, my business and words. Like I said, this is how I have it written. I do take these points, but I make them more talkable when I'm actually in conversation. But written out, this is my four sentence ish business and words. It goes, hey there, I'm Leslie Myrick. I'm an adventurous, organized, and passionate interior designer in Atlanta, Georgia, and I work with clients all over the U.S. and Canada too. I work with smart, cool people who understand the value of hiring a design pro, but are bored with the status quo. They're looking for something and someone different. I help homeowners bust out of boring and help interior designers launch kick-ass businesses they love. What rocks my world? When my clients are so freaking happy, they practically want to make out with me. I love to help you bust out of boring. <laughs> so guys i think you can tell by the language that she uses here that she is not you know your typical um froofy designer um she uses words like cool people kick ass freaking happy make out with me <laughs> So, Don't actually make out with me. My husband so, would not be into that. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, um, I mean, this is great. And and I think um, 
Well, it all conveys my brand. Precisely. Yeah. It's very carefully chosen words. Yeah. And what needs, what the the thing I want to really drive home here is that once you have this established, like the, this language and these words, um, you know, of course, Leslie doesn't go copy paste this all over her website and her social media, but you're likely to find a lot of those same words in things like social media posts, in her Facebook lives, um, in her emails that she sends out weekly and blog posts. So um, the reason why having a really strong USP for you is it's not just something that sits in a Word document and you sit and forget about it. This is really a cornerstone that should, the language should be showing up throughout your brand. Okay. So where are those, where's it going to show up? I just mentioned a few of them. Your, Your website is so obvious. Social media in the way you talk to people in person mm-hmm. directly one on one um it's going to show up in your emails and yeah. in your blog and in your blog posts um as well as think about your welcome kit you know when you create your welcome kit to when you're meeting a client for the first time you're likely going to have a cover letter or something there that just is a quick hello my name's Kate thank you blah 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 the tone of that cover letter should match your your business and words or your USP. Totally. I mean, could you imagine if mine was like, Dear Mrs. So-and-so, welcome to Leslie Myra Garden Design, where we uh, we uphold the highest standards in quality home furnishings. Like, they'd That's be like, what who mine is says. this person? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you get what I mean, though. And I think yeah. I, you're absolutely right that the tone, and this is all part of that branding and how you stand out is you know you know what you're about, how you talk. I mean, it is this complete picture and it's probably so screaming obvious to you that you don't even realize you have, this is your brand. But Mm. when you start stepping back, I mean like, yeah, I use the word kick-ass all the time. And I have to say in Texas, I would get looks from people like I had just dropped an F-bomb. I was like, ass? Really? (laughs) Are Are we getting hung up? But I mean, that's so I'm sure there's some people that are like, um, she now that she moved words. to Atlanta, she's so hard on Texas. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always been. The Don't weird forget, one in I'm Texas. a native Texan. <laughs> I I still love you, Texas and Kate. Yay. But yeah, one point I wanted to make before we get too much further is that you'll notice in the elevator pitch, it was not all I'm Leslie. Here's what I do. Here's what I bring. Here's how I'm awesome. It's like you're smart. You're cool. You're looking for this. It really is about. Letting other people see themselves. Bingo. I know I have the line about I work with smart, cool people who understand the value of hiring a design pro because I want people to read that and be like, oh, I'm cool. Like, I think I'm pretty smart. Like, yeah, yeah, she's for me. You know, that sounds like, you know, like you're buttering somebody up. But it's true. I don't want to work with dum-dums who are not cool. I like, I want (laughs) awesome people. And I don't mean, you know, whatever cool means to you. I'm not like talking high school, popular cool. I just, I like people with confidence who are smart and have their ish together. Those are ideal clients for me. Those might not be yours. So, uh, yes, I have two things to add to that because I agree. One is your um, about me page. It's, guess what, guys? It's not about you. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. There Um, you go. If your about page says, I'm Kate, I went to school here, got my degree in this year to this year and made honor roll every year and was prom queen and um, (laughs) 
And I love to kayak on the weekends with my kid. Nobody gives a flying you know what. That this took me not, years to learn. Your website is, is not about you at all. No, no. I mean, I think it's important to have a small blurb at the end of your about page that does mention your accolades, your schooling, um, and any great experiences that you have. You should have that. But your initial um, copy should be why you are choosing to do this as a career to help people and how you help people um, and then include that towards the end. But that that's going to come from your USP. It's going to be born out of the, the, yeah. the words that you choose there. I had another thought and I forgot it. <laughs> it. It took me a long time to realize that my website, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly it's about me. It's my giant face everywhere and here is what I do. But there's a way to present it where people see themselves in it, where you're not saying, I'm Leslie and I have this degree and I have this certification and this is the work I've done and these are people like... People glaze over at that, but you know, the first thing on my website, if you go to my homepage, it's at lesliemeyerk.com. It has my tagline. It has two very easy ways, if you're a homeowner or if you're a designer, how to access what I've got there. The next thing you'll see is a free opt-in, something that I'm giving people to answer a pain point, answer a question they have. And then it's reviews from former clients. It's, it's not an about me, it's not services. It's here's what other people like you have been saying. And, you know, I tweak this all the time and I've changed the order, but, you know, my get to know me is at the bottom of my homepage. I want people to see what I've got, see pictures of my work, figure out what I can give to them. And then they're like, okay, who is this chick? What's she all about? And then I'm like, hey, here's my business and words. Look at my face. Let's talk. But you cannot lead with, I am selling a thing. Please buy the thing. I have, I have credit. I have accreditation. I'm awesome. Buy the thing. <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's worth pointing out too, before we wrap up that all of this kind of assumes that you've already really clearly identified who your client is, your ideal yes. client is. Oh, good point. So, I mean, we talked to, we talked quite a bit about that in last season, but, um, for, you know, I think it's worth talking about just momentarily, um, that should always be the the very, very, very first thing you do when it comes to setting out to create your brand is nail down mm -hmm. who your ideal client is. Um, sometimes it's called a, an avatar, but it is extraordinarily specific, um, down to, so it's gender, age, social, so socioeconomic place, um, education, family, arrangement um what career, brands they follow where do they shop yeah how, you know i will um i will post this leslie if you can make a note i will post this on the blog post but i will share my ideal client page because it's extremely specific my i used to say that my and it and it probably will change for you depending on where you are in your career so don't be afraid to go back and revisit it, you know, once a year totally. or so. But, um, you know, my ideal client used to be like 30 to 50. And now my clients are at least mid 40s or older. Um, and it's because they're clients that have more expendable income um, at, at this point in their lives. Um, so your ideal client can and probably will evolve. Um 
but it's important to be very specific about who that person is. Yeah. And that's an activity that, or an exercise where everyone's like, just write down your ideal client. Where do they shop? Where do they go? And I've always been like, I don't know if I knew I would go there. It's not easy. At least for me, it really wasn't. And it is something that I felt I really struggled with coming up with this ideal client profile. For me, it wasn't until I had a client that really was my ideal client, I was able to sort of understand more of like, oh, okay, this person is my demographic, the kind of client I want. Why is that? So you might have to start from zero and just imagine what a dream client would be. Or you might have some great clients under your belt who you can use as a jumping off point. I mean, literally, my ideal client is a former client of mine and I was like trolling her social media. I'm like, who is she following? Who is she talking to? I mean, I could actually tap into her specifically, but it might be something that you just have to make up for a little while. And like Kate was saying, something that you need to revise and fine tune as you go. Yeah, totally. No, I, even have a, I even have a picture of what, who my ideal client looks yeah. like. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to tell you. No one's going to hand this to you. No one's going to be like, here's your ideal client. Here's everything you need to know to find them. This is part of being a business owner is figuring that stuff out and figuring out who they are and how to get to them. And part of getting them is your brand being attractive to that person. My ideal client is a Frankenstein of all my past clients that I really loved and the things that I loved the most about him. Um, so I, I've I've pulled f- from all of them. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to do it. Cherry pick the best parts. This is this is a, an ideal client, a dream client. It can be a little bit unrealistic, but this is the person you were going to be talking to, marketing to, and trying to find. And they're probably out there somewhere. Totally. Okay. Do we want to wrap up here? Let's do it. Let's bring this ship back home. This has gone all sorts of directions today. I love it. So key takeaways we just want to remind you guys of before we send you on your merry way today. Branding. Not just a logo, not just business cards and graphics. It is what the public perceives you as boom, it's huge and it's important and you already have a brand whether or not you want to or realize it, but you do. Sorry. (laughs) You get to change it though if you don't love it. That's the good thing. Awesome. Um, Also, just make sure that you have a really strong USP or unique selling proposition. Once you have this figured out and written out, it will be the cornerstone that informs the language throughout your entire brand. So that's in print, it's on the web, it's in person. Yeah. And don't forget, your USP is what sets you apart from all the other designers. And this can be hard to figure out, but if you sit down and you do those exercises where you figure out your client's pain points, what features are you offering? What benefits are does that create for them? Um, who is your ideal client? Figuring all of that out will help you to craft your, your USP. Exactly. And once you've got that, you can then work on a quickie one-sentence version of what you do and what makes you unique, as well as a longer bio or elevator pitch. Both of those are going to be really valuable to explain what you do to new people and to attract the right people to you and your business. Yeah. That's that's right. And I just want to add one last thing. Don't forget, your USP doesn't have to be being known for a particular look. It can be... The way you deliver your services to your clients. So think about how that could be your USP as well. Totally. 
And hey, before we go, we wanted to let you guys know we have put together a brand new freebie for you. It's awesome. It is the mini business toolkit. You can grab it on our website at designersgettingcoffee.com. And inside, you're going to find an install day box checklist, an awesome reference guide with typical design project hours to help you estimate and be profitable, our favorite design and business tools we use, and more. You can grab yours at designersgettingcoffee.com and get the instant download. It's pretty legit. Kate's also going to share her ideal client profile in today's show notes, so take a look out for that as well. Any final words, KB, before we put down our coffee and wrap this wrap this baby up? No, but I miss you and I'm so glad to be back doing this. I know, I missed you too. And we've missed doing this for you guys. We, as always, every 10 episodes do a Q&A episode. This is episode 14, so you know it's coming. If you've got specific questions we can help you with, whether it's about branding or anything related to business, shoot us an email, hello at designersgettingcoffee.com send us a DM on Instagram. We read all of that ourselves and we would love to hear from you about specific questions and what you'd like to learn about on future episodes. See you later. Have a good week, guys. We'll talk to you next Friday. Bye. Hey designer, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Designers Getting Coffee.